seems cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore. Here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the dark. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rohit Woe. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rohit Woe. Hey, ho neighbor. Welcome to episode 112, The Hopeless Show. I love 112s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey. there we go. Hey, Great. way to kill a joke. Uh, killer <laughs> intro. Killer intro. We have a crazy theme today. I lo- this. When I look at today's show, Rohit, um... I love that we're covering so many topics that are probably going to get us canceled. Yeah, and we have to remind, if anybody is using this show to judge our character or do background research on us or anything, just know this is a comedy show, an informative comedy show. But Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, and, and, we, and by informative, we mean don't take much of your information yes. from us. Yes. It ju- you know... Just because we have information doesn't mean it's not low information. Right. Because would you say it's all about how someone perceives something? Yes, exactly. You know, we've moved into a post-truth world and where feelings obviously are far more important than fact. And the idea of an objective truth um, really depends on what political party you belong to. Um, because there's obviously two truths in this world, it seems for everybody. Um, and yeah, I think there's three, I think there's like the right truth, the left truth, and then my truth. And that's the right one. The mine. I will co-sign that. But for, but, it, but I want to correct you. It's actually my truth in the middle. That's the right, <laughs> not yours. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, this is why the theme of the show today is perception, because things aren't always as right, even though people people perceive them that way. And I just wrote it news from the bomb shelter, quarantine slash heat wave. Now it's news from the heat wave, because it, it is so miserably hot out. Is uh, I. Uh, well, what have you been up to before before I talk about myself because uh, my perception is the right one? Well, let's see. Um, you know, last night I uh, went to the JEW concert. That's <laughs> uh, Jimmy Eat World. Yes, and we are. He Aaron didn't go to I Temple. Are trying to make this this acronym stick. Apparently, the team has never used or the the band has never used it. Um, but, you know, we're trying to create a moment here. Um, so We're yeah. going to see Jew. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and we love Jews. so We love Jews. We're going to see Jew. Exactly. So I went to the Jimmy Eat World concert, got a pit ticket um, at the Greek. You actually saw another band that I like more. You saw Manchester Orchestra, right. yes. which I actually like more than Jimmy Eat World. And they, were very, and, and they were really good. I only knew one song of theirs going in, but they really brought it with the show. Um, I wonder, though, how many people that have uh, were not Manchester Orchestra fans that thought Jimmy Eat World was playing with an orchestra, uh, <laughs> which would be kind of funny, which actually would be actually pretty cool now that I think about that. So I would see that. Yeah. I wish I could have gone. I, I'm I'm uh, jealous. But how was the show? The show was 
a lot of fun. It opened up with Middle Kids, um, then as we mentioned, Manchester Orchestra, and then Jimmy Eat World just like brought so much energy um, for being nearly, you know, Jimmy, the lead singer of Jimmy Eat World, is nearly Which 50. I didn't know until now. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that it was just the name of a band. I didn't realize yeah. there was a... I guess the band is really just speaking to an eating disorder he might have, or um, God knows what. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, uh, they brought the show, they brought it, danced, sung, um, and that was, it was excellent. I got a cool shirt that I'm wearing now, and yeah, man. So would you say, uh, was it the best show you think uh, you've seen this week? This week? Yes. Well, can I tell you about the best show I saw this week? Please do. Uh, Dead and Company in San Francisco was unbelievable. It was uh, for if you some people might have seen in the news. It was the Grateful Dead, which has been going on for a zillion years in different forms. This was their last big thing. Um, the band has John Mayer in it, and uh, it's it's fantastic band. They've been around in this form since 2015, and they went to end it with three nights at, at the Giant Stadium in uh, San Francisco with three nights on the bay, and it was uh, it was just an, what an experience to be a part of that culture for three days in San Francisco where the Grateful Dead started, and Did just you to go see all people three went all three nights. Wow. And and there was just a culture and an atmosphere in the city and a vibe that was really unique. And the idea that this is the it, this is it, this is the end of it is that's what was making the news because it's like wait that's they're not going to tour anymore. No, wow, it's over. And there's no other incarnation because the the main members are getting old. So like there's nothing else that'll like happen. Like it, this is it. I mean, I mean, they may, maybe they'll come back, but they're all getting old. Like and there's, have, Bob, Bob Weir's the youngest, and let's see how old he is. And there's only um, and there's only so many members you can replace until it turns. He's seventy five, like, okay, so he could old. keep going, but he can keep going. But the other ones are, yeah. Yeah, and there's only so um, many members you can replace until it turns into like Theseus is dead. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, does John Mayer do vocals also, or is he just? Oh yeah, he sings a lot of the Jerry Garcia stuff. Oh wow! See, I only know two Grateful Dead songs. I will survive. No, I'll get by. Rather, I think it's called. Um, oh, Touch of Gray. Touch of Gray. Yeah, because they had a great music video when we were kids. They're all skeletons and shit. Um, and then I remember in fourth grade, Day for Shadow, uh, while we were coming back from the playground, he got in trouble for singing a song that goes, uh, uh, "Riding that train." Hi, Uncle Gang. Yeah. Casey Jones. It's called Casey yeah. Jones. You well, you would know other songs that you don't realize you know just because you. If I you heard like you'd know trucking. I'm sure trucking down a new one. Yeah, exactly. You, there's other ones you know just because they're part of culture. But the here's one thing about the uh, the show that opened my eyes, and we've talked about this before on on this show is San Francisco, the city. The media, the perception in the media is that San Francisco right now is awful, is a terrible city, is just miserable and it's all homeless and a mess. 
I just spent three days there and it was like, I've been to a bunch of big cities lately. I've been to uh, Toronto, New York. No, not New York, Toronto, Montreal, Quebec, Seattle, San Francisco, LA, San Diego. So that's a lot of cities, right? You know what they all have in common? They have the exact same problems and not problems. They are they all have some homeless and most of it is a pretty great functioning city. And San Francisco was no different. If anything, San Francisco I thought was like cleaner than LA. And uh like I was staying mainly in Union Square, which I know like a year ago, two years ago had problems just like a lot of cities in the country after the George Floyd riots and the COVID pandemic. But it was nicer, I could say without a doubt, that Union Square was nicer now than it was before the pandemic. It was cleaner, less graffiti, less homeless. It was just a very nice place to walk around and hang out. The tourism was bustling. The food's delicious there. Uh, and, the, and it's fun. I, I just, I can't stress enough how much the media has painted this wrong. And this message was brought to you by the San Francisco Board of Tourism. <laughs> I was expecting to be mad to like be like ah, oh, and it's great. I yeah. don't know what it's, but maybe we are so used to it because fifty percent of the United States homeless population resides within California, and the great majority of that is between San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego. With the majority being in Los, do you Angeles. know why that is? Because as someone read, maybe this will get a debate a little. Because I know what you're trying to do here, and you're you're actually wrong. Uh, the main reason that the biggest reason that so many homeless are in L.A. So I know L.A. People I can, of homeless people of homeless uh, hobo, hobo, ho, Hoboken. Yes. Yes. yes the, Hoboken. the people of Hoboken yeah. is that uh, they bus people in to Los Angeles from other states Be, uh, and homeless people get on buses from other states because it's warm. But it's warm, so, you got everything taken care of. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they're not there. Yeah, but also like how much it doesn't it just doesn't affect life. And in San Francisco there were less than I see in West Hollywood. And well, it just isn't it's just if you wanna go to any big city, you can take a camera and go to a corner and you can find a problem and you can video it and then say this city has that problem. Or you can show all the great stuff in the city. And the media just loves to pick at certain things. And any big city. Also, of course, California has a lot of the biggest cities in the uh, country. And big cities are going to have the most, the most rich people and the most poor people. It's going to have the most of everything. New York, same problem. And same greatness. It has the most rich people and the most poor people. The big cities have it all. Yes, if you go to... Uh, Whatever Arkansas, there aren't going to be that many problems, but there aren't that many people, and it's all spread out, and uh, and it's just that, <laughs> whatever that is. It's just frustrating because only Aaron got paid to for for uh, by the board of uh, see Rowett doesn't. You don't believe me, but you're wrong. <laughs> like if you're totally wrong. I once all right. I left Gold's Gym like three years ago, on the or I'm uh, sorry, on the way to Gold's Gym. See my trainer. And this is in Venice Beach. And there's just like a, it was like a camp out, right? And there's like sleeping bags and whatever, like, right? Like, you know, by the cars and by the front entrance. And as I'm walking in, there's one sleeping bag that is like zipped up head to toe. Okay. Like a mummy. Okay. And, or like a body bag. 
And in the middle of the body bag, there's just an arm that is just jerking up and jerking down. And <laughs> it's like writhing and moaning. And I'm like <laughs> approaching the front entrance of Gold's Gym. And um, the bag stops moving. And then you see a little finger poke out of the top of the sleeping bag. And this little finger starts poking <laughs> and it pushes the zipper down. Right? And it's almost like I want to say the vapors were invisible, but I felt that they were there. You know, like when Darth Vader takes off his helmet in like that little cryo chamber, it's like, and all like the fucking dry yeah. ice. Yeah, it was like that, but with like cum. And <laughs> the, wow. and it was actually surprising because it was like this really ratchet like lady and she zipped it down and like down to her waist just to get more air. And then she just started strumming that banjo right in broad daylight. Really? Uh, kept going. I was like, I was like, I really need to get get a different. Gym. It was a lady. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. she was playing uh, Deliverance. Look, I don't know a lot. I don't need to know any more about your past relationships. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we have one other thing before we go on to sports. I, something about Zach Galifianakis? Yes, Aaron. My mind, my world has been shook. You know that iconic meme, that gif of a bearded Zach Galifianakis turning his shoulder and nodding? Yeah. You're familiar. And I'm sure the yes. listeners are familiar. What I found out this morning is that is not Zach Galifianakis. Who is it? It's Robert Redford. What? Yeah, it's fucking Robert Redford. How? I, I, I don't know. That's my question. And I posted this. I've just fucking shared it to my Instagram. And I got like 10 replies from people that were just like, how did you not know that? It's obviously Robert Redford. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not 68 years old. I don't remember a movie that Robert Redford's ever been in that I've seen as a fucking coherent adult. Um, and if Robert Wait, 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 wait. Back up. You just called yourself a coherent adult. Okay, fair, fair. Perception. Perception. Yes, you're right. I have an overly high perception of myself, and thank <laughs> you for, for pausing with truth. I do appreciate you. Yeah, no um, problem. I'm just trying to get things right. Just speak truth to power, man. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I found out that That's crazy. Redford, but I'm also more frustrated that other people, like, oh, duh, obviously, I'm like, bullshit you just probably saw that earlier than i did and now you're like oh, now i know because there's it's no like way. the thing where there's like a witch and a duck in the picture and like if you turn it one way you see a witch yes. but the other way you see a duck yes if, you know what i'm talking about that yes. thing so i've seen the one where it's like yes it's like that it's like a witch and then you flip it over and it's like a lady pulling up her skirt that one too i've seen oh wait i've seen that one yeah yeah, yeah. or maybe the duck is that i don't know yeah. whatever all right let's move on to sports i i'm like just <laughs> like my brain i feel yes. like i'm getting dumber this, this was a very <laughs> long intro listening to us talk but we're gonna power through our show the first yep. topic aaron we we like football we watch football i know baseball plays a very very important role in our lives but i would just like to talk to you about a couple football stories the first yeah, let's one hear it. is, you know, something we already had on our own little football's group chat. coming up sort of soon, right? Yeah. I mean, if training camp starts in a few weeks and the Washington commanders finally sold today for $6 billion um, and uh, former owner, outgoing owner, Dan Snyder on top of it was fined $60 million for bad shit that he did with emails and all this kind of stuff. But that's not the real topic, but just besides just congratulations to all the Redskins slash commanders uh, fans 
that are still out there, your team is going to be ass this year. But mm -hmm. you have new ownership. So it's looking like a brighter future ahead. But what I really want to talk to you is about Jordan Addison. Aaron, are you familiar with rookie wide receiver Jordan Addison? No, I have zero clue who it is. So he was drafted in the first round of this year's NFL draft by the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and he is going to be lining up, you know, opposite Justin Jefferson. Oh, so he's amazing. A pretty lethal duo for Kirk Cousins to throw to. Um, but there's a little blip that happened. Um, Jordan Addison, uh, again, the number 23 pick of this year's draft was uh, just uh, he was just caught going 140 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone mm. in his Lamborghini. Mm. And if we may remember, there was another player that was doing yeah. the exact same thing for the Raiders rugs. Yep. Young kid from the Raiders might have been a rookie at the time, too. Uh, from Alabama. From Yes, that's right. His career was over before it even started because he hit and killed a woman and her dog and in a fiery wreck. So the fact that he didn't hit anybody, he wasn't even arrested, Jordan Addison. Um, and I'm very curious, Aaron, what do you think his punishment will be, if any, and what should it be? It's the NFL, so I think nothing. I think the NFL is... I, I hate, as, you, as I've said on the show, I hate the NFL, but I also can't quit it. It's like um, cigarettes. Yeah, it's like I just I absolutely hate it. I think that it's like everything bad about everything, but it's also fun to watch. Uh, and I think nothing will happen to him. And I think these people who come out of college and do this stuff are just they just suck. Like him going that fast. Like, who do you think you are? Um, but they get like they get so much idolization for such a short period of time too when you're an NFL player the average uh, career of an NFL player is like two and a half years yep so most of these guys they have this brief moment where they're something big and then they're just they end up I think I mentioned this when I went to the race this is off topic a little but I went to the race um see Connor who's Connor Daly who's been on our show in the IndyCar Long Beach Grand Prix and like half of the people who work on the cars we're in the NFL. And now what they do, like a lot of these, they're former NFL players who now work on the cars at the races. So just to give an example, and I met guys who were like, one guy was like a tight end, I forget his name, but he was, I knew his name when he said his name and he were, that's what he does now. So these people, I just wish they would talk to them more in high school and college to take, not to take things for granted because they're going to have this brief, brief moment that in the span of their life is tiny and not to be a jackass during that time because you only you're you're lucky to be given this amount of time. So this guy, Jordan Addison, he probably won't get any punishment. He'll probably be good for a year or two, then break his leg and then be done. But I just yeah, these it just seems and it seems like the NFL has it happen the most. You're absolutely right. It's it, there is a. I don't know what it is with the NFL. It's like a pandemic. Well, it's a violent sport behavior. and people bang it, it, their, like just to play the NFL, you have to have a mentality that's a bit like tough and reckless, right? No, you're absolutely right because it is as much as close to going to war and battle that you would have in any sport. And the fact that the careers are so short in the same way, you know, the reason why the best soldiers are the ones that are young in their early twenties is because 
they have this general sense of indestructibility. Like, oh yeah, you know, you, like you feel like you can't die. You know, yep. you feel like nothing's gonna go wrong. You're not gonna, you don't, you don't really, you haven't experienced enough life, but at the same time you have enough power and you have enough ability to do anything. And so when, I also don't think a 21 year old should be owning a Lamborghini. No. And even no matter how much money he's making, because I'm not sorry. enough. Most it's, of these guys, they don't, they get a brief spurt of money and they spend it and they have a posse and they have a whole team oh, and yeah. all this. And, and then it's gone and they have nothing. And, and even beyond that, the dude probably has had his driver's license for what? Three years, four years, which means how is he going to handle, you know, like a 600 horsepower rear wheel supercar? Like, the, uh, like, I've had literally most of my socks are older than that. Yeah. Yeah, but you're known as old sock row it. That's that was my nickname in, in college. Yeah. Anyway, I think that I think uh, the that yeah, that's my opinion and I it sounds like you share it that I just it's it's why like the other sport like MMA is another one. I, I like watching it and I hate it. Like it's disgusting, it's terrible, Dana White's a piece of shit. And uh, the fans of it, and you know, are usually pretty deplorable too. But I like watching it. It's kind of fun to just see people destroy each other. And same with football. It's like it's kind of fun. Like it's we've always liked doing this from the gladiator times. We like watching it, but it's also just it just does all, it sends all the wrong messages. The people that are being looked up looked up to, like Jordan Addison. Obviously, he's like does not have his head on his shoulders. He's an idiot. And uh, so it's just too bad. I think some other sports, all sports have obviously some assholes, everything. But the other sports, I think there's a, a bit more of a, yeah, you don't see as much of this. Yeah, it's, you think. Do you agree? Like, I agree. I completely agree with baseball, you. Baseball, NBA, you don't see, NBA had a, its moment. But overall, like baseball, NBA, you don't have as much of it. John yeah. Morant's a bad example. Exactly. Uh, we, we've uh, had specific incidents, but not in the frequency. You know, baseball, we had Jose Fernandez, you know, coked up, riding a boat, crashing, oh, that, killing it. That absolutely killed Teoscar my fantasy team Hernandez, that year. Hernandez, he died in a car no, crash. Teoscar Hernandez is alive and well. You're oh, thinking of Oscar... Uh, Oscar Tavares. Tavares. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there's like... But yes. And we should move on. Let's move on. Whatever. Anyway, let's move on, yes. You just killed one of my fantasy players. Sorry. Like, you killed and me I had, last week. But I... But, but yeah... But I had Jose Fernandez when he died, and I so was. So did I. And, and I wouldn't drop him. I had him from before his first start ever in my keeper league. And me I didn't too. Drop him, and I didn't drop him until after that season was over when he died. I just didn't have the heart to. And like I dropped him. I dropped him immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and I had him exactly. I drafted him before that first season. All right, let's move on to Hope and Sixty. We have because yes. I really can't wait for this debate too. It's a. It's about the Oakland A's, and I can't right. wait. Okay, so let me start the timer. Aaron's got a hope in 60. Let's go. Uh, Steve Wynn, the legend of Las Vegas, who kind of brought us the Vegas that we have now, is permanently banned from ever stepping foot into a casino again. What? And Yeah, and this is because of some of harassment and sexual abuse that he did as chairman of of win uh resorts and stuff and 
I feel hopeless because uh, it's Vegas. This stuff has been apparent. We know this about these guys forever. So now this guy who like is going to be banned for the last few years of his life, and he's probably a giant shithead. I just feel hopeless. I just think like uh, know your audience. <laughs> wow, I don't, I don't know. I mean, this is shocking. I don't know any of the charges or any of the details, but it's kind of wild to be banned from your own building as a billionaire, like your own house. You own it. Um, all right. That's time. Uh, the hope I can give you. Aaron. Yeah, I need hope. I used to see Wynn walking around with, in the Wynn Hotel with uh, lots of hot models and he's blind and it was just he's like blind? funny or like 90 percent. Yeah. Wow. Maybe that explains some of it. Yeah. Um, here's the thing, Aaron. Um, this is he not cannot be involved. He's not cannot be involved in anything to do with Vegas ever again. No involvement in the Nevada gaming industry. Period. That just opened up a spot for you, Aaron, to make your name. Yes. Yes. I am going to be buying Win Enterprises. <laughs> uh, all right. I have hope. Thank you. Let's go to our debate because this is. I'm excited about this debate, Rowett. Uh, because of, of how wrong I believe you are. Oh, boy. What uh, do you got, Aaron? What's the topic? The topic is, is the Oakland A's are going to be moving to Las Vegas by all accounts? I mean, unless something drastic changes. Right? Yeah. So they're going to have to move. Is it? Is them moving the fault of the A's fans not supporting the team, or is it the fault of their owner, John Fisher, for trying to purposely dismantle the team so that fans won't come? Well, Aaron, I think because we both firmly stand on opposite sides on this, I will argue in favor of ownership here. So, the Oakland A's... um, They've been in Oakland for a long time since they moved from Philadelphia, like what the sixties, maybe. Um, oh, they it was. I was just there. I was at a game. They had a. It was like nineteen sixty eight. I want to say. Okay. Yeah. So somewhere something around like that, that. that range. Um, they have the best logo in baseball with the elephants holding the bats. Phenomenal colors. Phenomenal uniforms. Great. Cool franchise. Now through those. Oh, and a misplaced apostrophe. Which is funny. Yes, because you. People, you do not use an apostrophe to pluralize. <laughs> apostrophe does not. It, apostrophe represents a contraction. So anyway. Um, Even I know that. I'm not very good at this stuff. But the athletics, it would be like if there's one athletic. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. So the Oakland A's um, are looking to move to Las Vegas. Now here is what I'm sort of trying I'm getting at. No, the A's have not had strong attendance really at all, except for maybe a year or two over like the past, I don't know, however many decades. It's been a long time since the A's were selling out games. Maybe possibly since the Ricky Henderson days in the early 90s. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. So, sure, they've had when they've been good, they've had better attendance, but it's still bottom half of the league in terms of attendance. Okay. They are in a two team city. They've been wanting a new stadium and ownership has been trying for a new stadium, but 
as far as I understand, and I could be wrong, the A's were not getting the city's help until it came to a point where they're like, fuck you, we're moving to Vegas. So the city was like trying to call their bluff. And it's been going, it's not just, uh, it doesn't matter if it's happened like the last year or two, because rumors have been happening for a while. But over the course of them asking for a new stadium in the past 25, 30 years, they've not gotten city help. Now they're going to go to Vegas and they are going to get that public funding. And by the way, this is an aside. I don't think the public should be funding stadiums in general uh, because I don't know if the return has been proven to come back in terms of tourism, all that kind of stuff yet, right? I still think the jury's out. But as an owner of a team, if he gets a better deal and he knows he can get more fans and he knows that he doesn't have to be in a two-team city anymore, um, and he's been trying to work out a new stadium for decades, then uh, I completely understand and I fully support the Oakland A's moving to Las Vegas. So here's why you're 100% wrong. Give it to me. Uh, the Oakland A's have a actually very good fan base. A very good fan base, especially for being a small city by comparison to a lot of cities like um, you know, Oakland is, I don't, I don't know the exact uh, population, but it's not a huge city. Also, Oakland has one of the dumpiest stadiums in baseball, if not the dumpiest, right? Sure. They have been trying and the city has been trying to get them a new ballpark and they've had them approved at the, uh, on the water. I forget all the details, but they've had ballparks approved and their owner john fisher who by the way i kind of heckled uh at at the time my friends were mad at me the a's fans because i this is a little tangent but i i forget exactly but we ended up sitting i sat right behind him at a spring training game i didn't really know who he was but my friends did and i forget i was just kind of like giving him shit and my a's friends at fans they were like mad that i was doing that and we were going back and forth, me and John Fisher. And I, w I wish I had one of them on the uh, show to remember more of what I said. But I had fun bantering with the guy. But he's a douche because he has since... So in, tw in 2019, the A's averaged 20,600 people a game, which is a fine attendance for a small market team. That's more than any NBA team gets at their games. And that's for 81 games a year. That's fine. So they did just fine in attendance, and they drew the biggest crowd ever to a wild card game that year. Uh, like 60,000 people came to their wild card game. So there are fans there, there are f and their fans are kind of nuts and weird too, which I like. They want to stay. They want to support the team. They would go to a new ballpark. This owner has purposely made it so that when you go to that stadium, because I just went last weekend, security lines are long purposely. They just don't have a lot of people, so it takes forever to get in. The bathrooms are still troughs. The uh, scoreboards don't do, like, you don't, they don't, there's, like, not much happening in the, on the scoreboards. They're just the same two things that just show the score. They're not, like, they're not showing lots of replays and stuff like that. The, the food is bad. The seats are uncomfortable like there's nothing good about going to the game and the team they're fielding right now is the single worst team i've ever watched in person 
play a baseball game. <laughs> I've never seen a team of minor leaguers. They were like, there was a guy, Nick Pavetta, pitching, and he pitched six innings of relief, struck out 13 people, and gave up no hits. That's happened in the history of baseball six times. And one of them was this past Monday. So my point is, he is purposely trying to get fans to not like the team so that they can move. It's not the fans. The fans want to go. The fans are still going to this atrocity of a ballpark. They still there were still there like were eight hundred of them. There were ten thousand people at the game I was at, and I couldn't believe it. Like these people do it every day. Watch a trash team in a trash stadium, in a like. Also, it's in the middle of nowhere. Like there's nothing cool around the stadium there's like a train like i think there's like a train parts facility and like a steel yard or something there's nothing like there's not there is didn't there's not a bar within like a mile or two miles it just it's in the middle of nothing land nowhere so there's like nothing you have to really make an effort to just go to this game it's not like the giants where it's right on the water it's beautiful you just walk there's stuff everywhere so i believe wholeheartedly that it is not the A's fans' uh, fault. They would support a team. They'd sell out that stadium like no other if there was a nice stadium on the water and a team that didn't have a bunch of people that wouldn't even make other major league rosters. And that team does not deserve this treatment, and those fans don't deserve this treatment. And it is unfair. And uh, forever and always, the Oakland Athletics. That's quite a compelling argument, I'll admit. Um was the riverfront what were the why were the reasons that the riverfront property didn't go forward i thought they pulled the plug on it or they were asking for too much public financing something like that let me look let me see oakland riverfront this is our uh r&d department doing our their work right now yes um it was there let's see uh i you know i i mean it was there. Like, I saw the design for it. I mean, my also... It was gorgeous. It would, have been a, it would have been super popular. But look at Wrigley and Fenway. Those stadiums... No, no, no. Uh, I've been to both. There isn't... So have I. I'm, I know. There's no comparison. Have you ever been to the Oakland Coliseum? No. One, it's, it was built whenever, in 1968 or something like that. And two, it's like... It's concrete and steel yards around it. There is nothing to do. You go to a game. Oh, also, he's charging $30 a, a car to park there, even though there's, like, no people. And you can park next door at the Bart lot for free. But he's still charging 30 bucks just to make it, like, that much more painful for someone to go. I can, they, I can see the... the I can see the argument for the owner trying to turn away fans... But to me, I don't know, maybe that is a case. But it's just like, I don't even know if they would continue to sell out even with a new stadium. I just don't 100%. I believe 100%. And even if they fielded a good team right now, they w the fans would still go, even though this owner is such a jackass. So I want to know what you, the listeners, think of this argument. Because I know I'm right. <laughs> His perception the, is everything. The the, uh, that's how. That's generally how the the greatest tacticians end any debate. <laughs> I know I'm. <laughs> uh, uh, but.
But no, we're interested in what the listeners have to think, and and we got to move on to topic two and yes, to finish our show. I'm forward to show. Yeah. So, topic two, Rohit. Yes. Uh, I actually I'm gonna ask you a question. Have you seen the film Sound of Freedom? I actually have. I wow. Was all the hullabaloo was out about. So I well, used I guess my AMC Stubbs Pass to go see it. Well, can you tell everyone? Then what it is a, what it the movie is about and why it's getting controversy, and sure. then I'll tell you why I'm hopeless. So, the movie is about a sting operation that takes place in Colombia, with and it's based on a true story, um, with a homeland security agent um, who got the approval to go outside of U.S. jurisdiction um, because the case was related to a child found on U.S. soil, um, and he went to go rescue the child's sibling. Um, <laughs> boring. <laughs> it was actually really intense, and it was actually pretty good. There was a, it was really well done, um, and that's the story. And the controversy is shocking. Um, people are saying this is a QAnon movie. This, this is a movie that is slandering the Democratic Party. It's anti-liberal. It's not telling... I'm just like... There was not even one political party brought up. There was no commentary made towards anything. The entire thing happened in Colombia, and there was nothing, nothing that was political about it. Um, so it was just quite a... And I went expecting for this to be some crazy thing. And I went, I was like, what the hell? There was literally not one political take against any party, against any individuals, anything like that. Um, so... And this is a book that, a movie, sorry, that Disney had part rights to. And this movie was made years ago. It was even started shooting before QAnon was even in the existence of the world, um, or at least in the con public consciousness. Um, and Disney had it, and they just had it shelved. And once they, the rights expired, and then they did kind of release it independently. So I went to go see the controversy, because like I said, I could see 12 movies a month with my AMC A-list pass. Um, and I left thoroughly enjoying the movie and thoroughly confused as to why it was controversial. Um, so part of it is, uh, the star Jim Caviezel, mm -hmm. uh, is a QAnon guy. So I believe that he's quoted QAnon, but I don't know if he's in QAnon. I don't think he's ever affiliated himself with that. He said today on Fox that, uh, Trump is the modern day Moses. Okay. So is that, but what does that have to do with the movie itself and the message the movie's trying to say? Well, this is my question. Uh, how much, and like they're promoting it, you know, church groups were buying tickets. So it's actually not as successful as people think it is because uh, they did a pay it forward thing where church groups were told to buy tickets to this. And uh, so there's a lot of tickets that were bought, but people didn't use them. They just wanted to give this movie money because uh, it became a right wing, like. But thing is, there's literally nothing right wing. It's about no, no, it's child, child. It's abuse. not. It's the people who made it. It's the, uh, it's the people who are behind it and made it that have made it. Why uh, is there such a? But it's the movies for such a good cause. And by the way, my theater was packed, sold out. Not an empty seat, even the front row. And it was a big theater in Century City, and, um, it was like not an open seat and. The, uh, what I just don't understand is why there's been so many articles, why everybody's like, do not watch it. This is propaganda, this and that. Like, because of 
the star having some views that have nothing to do with the movie? Um, let's see. This says, Caviezel, best known for being tortured to death in Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. Oh, I saw that movie. Not good. Uh, pretty anti, like, deep down kind of anti-Semitic. Um, has become a prominent figure on the conspiracist right, giving speeches and interviews in which he hints at an underground holy war between patriots and a sinister legion of evildoers who are harvesting the blood of children. It's straight up QAnon stuff right down to his use of catchphrases like the storm is upon us. Here in the movie, he gets to act out some of that drama by playing a fictionalized version of Tim Ballard, head of the anti-sex trafficking group in a feature film that casts the operator as a Batman-style savior for kids sold on the, set, on the uh, sex trade. Ballard himself has dabbled in QAnon-adjacent conspiracy theories, such as the Wayfair trafficking hoax, while his organization has far-right affinities and a long record of distorting Wait, his Do you hear this? It's, it's like botched he's rage. tweeted one thing one time, and his organization has, like, it's all loose connections. It's like they're going so hard. But I've never seen such a, a tactical assault. Now, here's a funny thing, Aaron because of the beliefs of people that either act in the movie, but like the movie on itself is a great message. And so the, I, I haven't seen it. So you're saying there's nothing manipulative there's about not it. Not one second or moment or mention of anything political. Literally no, not political, nothing. manipulative. Like, like no, what? it's just telling the story of a raid and how they did the raid. Just like any movie based on a true story, not every last thing. So I'm sure things have been dramatized. I'm absolutely sure of it. And you know the crazy part, Aaron, is that, like, all right, so why, you, we've, we enjoyed Mission Impossible, right? That was awesome. Tom Cruise is the star, Scientologist. Okay? There's not, there was not a coordinated assault. All right. I love Woody Allen films. Woody Allen fucking molested his daughter and then married, he married his stepdaughter. Teenager. Okay? Don't we all? We why was there not a coordinated like effort to stop Woody Allen movies from, from, from hitting the world? Okay. And the crazy thing is Noah Berlatsky, one of the most outspoken critics of this movie, he was saying all sorts of things, how, um, how this, this movie is so dangerous and all this ends up Noah Berlatsky is a uh, there's a group called Prostasia. I can tell is, you why this. I, I'll tell you. I can give you your answer because I, I know you're going but, down all those yes. other rabbits. But I'll give you like this is why this movie is getting extra uh, pro, extra hate. I'm gonna just read this for you because it's it's how it's being promoted and the people promoting it and what they're saying about the movie that is pretty problematic to me. Okay. Um, and I agree with you. Like, I like Mel Gibson's Hacksaw Ridge. Yep. I'm Jewish. I still like yeah. Braveheart's amazing. So, but it's how it's being promoted. So, in a press appearance promoting Sound of Freedom, Jim Caviezel continued to spout QAnon falsehoods. On a recent episode of former Trump advisor Steve Bannon's podcast, Caviezel claimed the whole ad adrenochrome empire is driving demand for trafficked children. It's an elite drug that they've used for many years, he asserted. Falsely, it is 10 times more potent than heroin and has some mystical qualities as far as making you look younger. So 
these there was are none of that in the movie. There I know, but but if you have, if I like, let's say Tom Cruise was out there promoting Mission Impossible and having telling everyone to join Mission Impossible, uh, to join Scientology, and having all the Scientologists buy all the tickets for Mission Impossible and tell their other Scientologists to go and going with the producers and the other people involved with the show and going on shows and saying that this is a this is a uh, um, a mo- this is a, a vessel for Scientology, which is what the makers of but this that, movie are doing. What, that's what this, no, but that's what it's, it's saying. It's like, oh, anybody that goes see this movie is QAnon or no. the conservatives. No, that's what it, that's what it's literally, that's what you said. It's like, oh, it's like telling all the Scientologists to go see and all the Scientologists go see. No, no, that's what the people making the movie are doing. So this, like dude, Jim Caviezel black could, people, there was Latino people. There was, I saw a girl with blue hair in there. There was a big mix of people in. I'm saying why theater. it's getting, I'm not saying why like you're saying what your experiences was. I'm saying why people are not happy with this film is because the people making the film are batch are going promoting the film with these batshit uh, and, and the crazy part is is the people are more concerned. They're like fuck, you know, like forget that the movie is about child trafficking. It's more we're more concerned with the guy being in QAnon. We don't they're literally telling people to not see a movie for, because they they don't there's some loose connections between QAnon and No, no, no. I think you're missing the point. I, I just know, said I it's not it's not the the like they're not seeing the loose connections. It, it's like if uh, if Tom Cruise went on to TV right now and said, I want all my uh, Scientologists and I need the Elron Elron lovers come together as we um, as the Dianetics speak to us in our Mission Impossible experience. If like he went on TV and started talking like that, yes, I'd be like, dude, I don't know if I'm going to go see this movie. But the movie is good and, and forget what the, like we said, we've just talked about actors you, and directors having just, crazy. So yes. people not go see the movie because he says some dumb shit? Do you think if you, if you hear that, what he just said, if that's what I know about the movie is him saying that kind of stuff. I am less inclined to go see this movie because the star is talking batshit about this movie. And um, just the promote the movie. He wasn't even talking about the movie with that. The Adrenochrome, there's, this is purely about child sex trade, which is literally based on true story. They actually even had footage from the sting shown at the end of the movie. Like that was like, that, that's all the movie was about. It was about one specific sting operation, nothing else. But the media is trying so hard to bury it. It's crazy. And let me tell you about Noah Berlatsky who's a journalist, one of the biggest critics. He says the Sound of Freedom is a QAnon dog whistle that does nothing to help victims. Funny enough... But you know it's not Berlatsky, true. Also, no, it's let me finish. Let me finish. very Lower fictionalized. Berlatsky. It's not very... Dude, it's like any movie based on a real story. Should, should, there be, should we just then get against every movie that's based on a true story? No more of that. It can only be documentaries. Because that's the thing. There's so many movies that are based on true stories, but... This was a movie, literally, it's about anti-child sex trade. And the fact is that you have a certain group of people that are so against it, they don't, they were, they're going to put all the loose connections people don't see it. Noah Berlatsky, let me finish this. He, after just blowing this up, writing all these articles, everything going crazy, being like the voice of anti-Sound of Freedom, ends up, he belongs, he is the spokesperson and one of the directors of a group called Prostasia. Prostasia is a group that is out there that literally their mission is there they're a, a MAP support club, a minor, a, a minor attracted person circle? They are a pedophile group that is actively pushing for the against child pornography bans. They're doing letter, letter, letter writing campaigns to state reps demanding childlike sex dolls be kept legal. 
Okay, Noah Berlatsky, he represents this organization. He is a pedophile. And he is saying people shouldn't watch this movie. And one of the things he says, it doesn't matter what they say about the kids. Pedophiles are essentially a stigmatized group. Certain people can get designated as deviants. And he's like, it's not about the victims. That's what he says. He is so concerned about protecting pedophiles. That's the guy that people are fucking quoting. That's the guy. And since people are like, dude, you belong, you're a spokesperson for a pedophile group. And he has gone <laughs> silent. That is the people. If you, so you say, okay, if I'm telling people to watch, people are telling me not to watch the movie, people are telling me to watch the movie, I'm going to watch it because a pro-pedophile, an actual pedophile, Noah Berlatsky, pedophile, is saying not to watch it. Um, okay, well, can I just, this became a debate, so can I just read one thing that's a, that goes, that is you not about... the source about, first, please, of where you're reading, yes. It's a professor. It Wait, has no, okay, okay. At University of Michigan. Okay. Um, it has nothing to do with anything you were just talking about in that guy's opinion, right? Zero to do with it, just to make sure. So what I, this is, I'm just reading word for word, and we can end it at this. This has nothing okay. to do with his, his pedophile, that one person's thing. This is another, this is just an article. Ready? On screen, Sound of Freedom goes even further in fictionalizing Ballard's story, showing him single-handedly taking on a crime syndicate in Colombia. These popular depictions raise concerns among anti-trafficking experts who say they offer an incomplete portrait of a real and urgent problem. This is a quote from the uh, yes. director of University of Michigan's it's, it's Human Trafficking wrong, Clinic. He didn't do it single-handedly. He had a whole group that the entire time he worked with, so not single-handedly. And secondly, Wait, should, every story, should every story about an, an event and about a specific topic, if it, it should it have to cover everything, if it's a movie about child trafficking, should it have to cover every single aspect about child trafficking? That's what he's saying is because like, it didn't cover the whole spectrum, therefore it's invalid. I, I mean, I didn't, this is a she. Her name she. is Elizabeth Campbell. I don't care if you're she. What the heck they identify as. But, <laughs> like, but the, All argument, right. the, the argument that you're saying being made is that because it didn't cover 100% no, of sex trafficking. No, trade, you're missing. You're, I'm not say, I'm saying. I'm saying. single handedly, which he didn't. The I'm saying there's a lot before. of gray area to this movie and people deciding whether to like it or not or to go see it. One, if the people who made it are out there promoting the movie with QAnon theories attached to the movie, that's a little bit problematic. But they're not. The guy, and, one guy retweeted a QAnon thing and one guy, he said a QAnon thing and it wasn't even about the movie. But this I'm, was like they're having a dumb I just talk. Read, I'm, I just on, read other stuff. But it wasn't, not hey, go that. watch the movie because it's about that. No, the dude is, has dumb beliefs. Dumb beliefs, but he wasn't doing that to promote the movie. He's saying, hey, it's about adrenochrome. It's not even about that. It's literally about little girls and boys being kidnapped to be raped, which happens. And there's two million kids every year that are brought into the child sex trade every year. And that was the whole thing. It's about one sting about that. I think you should go watch it because the fact that we have such a coordinated effort for people to not watch this. People saying, oh, well, me, this guy tweeted that thing. This guy said that it's thing. It's a so huge hit. So people are watching it. Yeah. Or no. Like, or people aren't watching it, but the churches are buying tickets because they said that uh, churches a don't have that kind of money to be having it have $50 million more than Indiana Jones opening weekend. No, that's not what it, I mean. It's made it, way less than Indiana Jones. It crushed Indiana Jones. It crushed Indiana Jones. No, it didn't. Yes, it did. No, the look up. Indiana Jones has made like sixty or seventy million more I'm than this about movie. Opening, Indiana Jones opening weekend, and let's see. Opening weekend, was, Indiana Jones made like, um, I think as much as this movie's made combined total. Indiana Jones opened to like seventy or seventy-five million bucks, and this movie has made like a hundred total. 
the film beat Indiana Jones Dial of Destiny on the in box the second weekend released, in the second weekend fourth of July uh, no 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 it didn't Rohit these are just I don't know maybe you're I'm on you're, Newsweek right now so Sound of Freedom based on the life of anti-child trafficking campaigner Tim Ballard opened to positive audience figures the film beat Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny at the box office when it was released on the fourth of July and let's see the film made 14 million on its first day in theaters while the Indiana Jones made 11 million. Oh, that's not your that's that's the media once again writing a wrong story, like a story that's not true. That that wasn't Indiana Jones's first day in the theater. So this is just an incorrect uh uh story. The Indiana Jones opened way before this. So it's saying that on that one day that this movie was pushed by the uh uh, churches a lot, and it's documented that churches bought millions of dollars in tickets, and Indiana jo- it beat Indiana Jones on that one day that this movie came out. Versus that's in- that's correct. You're right. You're right. But Sound of Freedom has hit, still hit the 100 million. No, it's it's doing very well. It's, it's doing very well, and we can. And, and churches don't have 100 million dollars. No, no, no. People have gone to see it. I just I don't think that it's one way or another. I haven't seen the movie yet. I do see some problems with this film. Both uh, you know you don't see problems with the film. You see problems with the people promoting. No, it I also have read the story is one of those very skewed stories, and I you, I didn't get to finish what the professor said that I'm reading, but uh, she said it's really giving the wrong direction for what is it? Um, it becomes easy for people to say, well, if I just spread a message that we need to support law enforcement and freeing these child victims, they don't have to work have the do the hard work of asking what role they play in purchasing of goods for forced labor or they don't have to play the hard role of figuring out how do we reduce the poverty she goes on and on i mean it just what the hell does it have to do with anything it's like well you know what this i think this person is an absolute moron this professor she's like you know because it doesn't talk about child poverty and because people think that police are the because people watch a movie about a police force solving a st- doing a sting their search is like, well, now everybody thinks that's all you need to do for tra- trafficking and they're going to stop giving money and they're going to stop thinking anything and they're just going to think that's the only solution. That's not even what the case the movie is trying to make. It's just telling one specific story in the larger world of trying to take down child sex trafficking. It's just one story and they make it clear, but they're just like coping. They're trying to like pull as many things as they can to say this movie is dangerous. It's really, it's crazy. I've never seen so many groups try to argue against people seeing well i would say there's also so many people do there are so many people arguing in favor of this movie too it's become like the right wing movie it's not even the right dude it's like it's crazy that it's it's turning to a left-wing right-wing thing it's not even a left-wing or right-wing movie but it is if you're it is if your star is out there promoting QAnon theories like that's the face of your movie and if he's doing that then it starts to become that drank water water is nazi all right. Well, and the, well, uh, let's move on. Hitler, you can Hitler chime in. We've a had a vegan. few different debates today. Hitler was a today. vegan, therefore vegans are Nazis. Is that the point? There's you're a few different debates going on. Let's yes. Uh, let, let's move. The, we're going to move on to something we can both. We will end it, uh, that the debate there. <laughs> that but, Rohit won the argument. Yeah, because uh, that's apparently what we say that we would it. But yeah, there's because you have a QAnon person or person that said a QAnon thing or a couple of things does not make the movie a QAnon thing. You have to separate that, and it has nothing to do with QAnon. They are I did to torpedo. I wasn't trying to put it completely together. I'm saying that on the promotional tour, I'm if the guy is doing that, it makes it off-putting to go see a movie like this. 
But people, why are, but people are calling that. Why are they not doing the same shit? Woody Allen married his stepdaughter. Why is that not brought up every time he releases a film? Is Woody Allen at, at, on every talk show when he goes to do a movie? Is he fucking his stepdaughter on the show? This is the equivalent of probably <laughs> on TV. All right, let's move on. This is something we will both I mean, dude agree can't on. Even get it up. <laughs> and his name's Woody. Uh, all right, this is something I will read you because this is a. Uh, this is Hopeless TV, and then we'll end our show. Um, Hopeless TV, I have a, a topic that I just... We've talked about this before on the show, the movie Song of the South. For those who don't know, it's a movie that has been banned uh, from being seen in our, our country. Uh, it has been banned now from parks. They're taking away Splash Mountain, which the movie, the, the ride is loosely, loosely based on with some of the characters uh, because they say it's racist. I believe this movie is not racist. Um, I don't think that it, it, I mean, and then someone would say, Aaron, but you're a white guy. Like, how can you say that? I've seen the movie. I don't believe it's a racist movie. It's depicting a time in history. Um, and now I'm going to just read something to you, Rohit. And I know you believe this. I believe, feel the same way as me, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to read what you're about to say. <laughs> well, no, you believe this about Song of the South and like Splash Mountain being canceled and stuff. Yes, it's a, it was a product of its time, and the intentions were not, I think, as sinister as they meant to be. But anyway, go ahead. So, this is a post from someone I know. You gotta love Disney. Here's a Br'er Rabbit, that's the char- one of the characters in Song of the South, and there's a picture of a comic of Song of the South, if you can see it right there. A little closer. No, the other way. Okay, yeah, yeah, So yeah. it's a comic. Um, so you gotta love Disney. Here's a Br'er Rabbit comic story that the Mouse House published in Europe. It wasn't published in the U.S. because the Uncle Remus story was considered racist by Disney. Keep in mind, the quote-unquote racist who wrote the story was me. And it's one of the more famous black animators, the most famous Disney black animator. Uh, uh, in Disney history, Floyd Norman. Everyone go look him up. He's a wonderful man. He's 88 years old. I was lucky enough to, uh, to see him a couple weeks ago. And he uh, wrote that on his personal Facebook. But maybe it's public. Maybe you can actually see the post. I, uh, to me, that ends the uh, discussion once and for all. That uh, the guy who freaking drew the comic is saying that it's not racist. So he's a black dude. He's like, I am not being racist against my people. No. So uh, once and for all, I hope that squashes it. That Disney got way too woke crazy on this when it's not racist. The guy who made it, who made the comic, who drew it is black and says it's not racist. So I that I'm just hopeless that this movie got taken away from society. And now the rides are for something that just shouldn't have happened. What do you think, Rohit? I think censorship is never, ever, ever, ever the answer. What about when the guy who made it? <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's people trying to, to, to hide culture. When, when, you, when you hide our past, you means people aren't able to assess for themselves and learn from it either. And no. Just repeat it. So, uh, well then, let's fit, we have to finish up our show. We have like three minutes left. So, I've got to say one thing. So we have the guest the BTS and Sand and Tom Sandoval segment that we've recently added uh, for our love of Tom Sandoval. 
the uh, reality star that we didn't know about until I yeah. sat. A much maligned and misunderstood reality star. Yeah, I happened to sit next to him at a bar and he sang karaoke. So I have learned this, Rohit, and I learned this when I was away. If you bring up Tom Sandoval to someone, uh -huh. they have a very, very, very strong reaction against him. Oh. And it's as though they themselves were hurt by him. Jesus. And, and they also think it's totally real. I had this happen with a friend in particular and uh, another friend that we kept saying, like, it's not really real. They do set a lot of this stuff up. And what did he do to you? But, but he is, I realized it's, it's a very sensitive topic to some. So I'm just warning you out there and all of our Sandoval fans on, that listen to this show that be careful when you talk about him because it's, it's really, uh, it's a real vicious Sandoval atmosphere out there. Hey, Fandivals, stay strong, okay? <laughs> Because we we all stand of all. We stand of all for our sand of all with yeah. as fandivals. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Even sand though all nation unite, unite. Even though remember, Rohan and I have never seen one minute of this show and have no, no we've clue. No, we've only yeah. We just know because everybody hates this guy. We love him. We love him, and uh, <laughs> so be careful when you tell someone you're a fandival. Yes, <laughs> or be proud. Uh, hopeful filled. We have a hopeful filled. <laughs> Uh, uh, hopeful filled Jewel Jewel Lloyd, who's been on our show. We are a big fan. She's also in, involved with our my foundation. Uh, is having an MVP year. She might win the MVP, and she just won the MVP of the WNBA All Star Game. So I just, it's always great when uh, a guest of our show does things well. We take most of the credit for all of her success. Um, without this show, she wouldn't have achieved what she's achieving. And uh, congratulations to Jewel. Could could not happen to a better person. Yeah, Jewel. Congrats, beyond deserved. And with that, we have uh, we conclude a, a hyped, uh, a, a rousing episode of the Hopeless Show. Uh, keep listening. Next week we'll have a guest again. I'm uh, Aaron Wolf. This is uh, Rohit and. Uh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm tired too, and the heat wave doesn't help. So yes, um, stay ho go. stay hopeful, and uh, and stay we'll see cool. you next week. Yes, and uh, yes, we love all you standovals. <laughs> yeah, fandoval, standoval. Bye. Yeah. When the world seems cold and bleak, and you just can't take it anymore, here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the dark. It's a hopeless show. With Aaron and Rogue, it was.